Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Today, we have a very special guest. A man with his own podcast that is not only far more successful than mine, but every guest he brings on is also more successful than me. Let's be long shots. I'm so glad to have you uh, accept my request to be on the show. It's great Absolutely. to have you here. Great to be here. Appreciate it. Yeah. So uh, since it's going to be a key topic today, uh, could you introduce yourself to the audience and uh, kind of why you chose the name of your show? Okay. Well, my name is Michael Stein and uh, we I have a podcast called Long Shot Leaders. And the reason why I call it that is because I'm I come from a long line of long shots. I'm a long shot. My, uh, I'll tell you my backstory a little bit here. My uh, grandmother escaped the Russian concentration camps on our way to America. My dad was a New York homeless street kid. Uh, and uh, he became a multimillionaire only to become homeless again. I was a premature kid. Oops, baby, in a very large family, very fun, dysfunctional, screwed up family. That wouldn't change a thing, but I had health problems. I had ADHD and, and dyslexia, had a weird stutter, and... Um, Basically, I didn't have any success at anything uh, and other than making people laugh and uh, at myself and others. So um, that all kind of changed one day when, like most American kids, I saw when I was 10 years old, saw the movie Rocky. And I said, here's a guy like me. You know, he fails constantly, but he keeps on getting back up. You know, he's funny. The only difference between Rocky and myself is, is that he's physically fit. So I said, I'm going to be physically fit, you know, which was a really how yeah, I was just a basket case, right? Like, you know, worst basketball player ever. I played the only sport I played and I'm five, six and a half on a good day. I played yeah. basketball. I was the worst player in the whole league. My best friend was a worst scorer. He scored one basket. I was the worst player. I scored no baskets. And this isn't a Jewish Hebrew kind of league. That's really bad, Colton. That's not, that's not good. So I said, <laughs> I'm going to be physically fit. So then I, Ever since then, since I was like almost 11 years old, I, I worked out every day, you know, exercising, whatever I could. By the time I was 16, I became a physical fitness trainer. I started having some success, a second bit of success. So I said, I feel the, I made people laugh. I now am a physical fitness trainer. People are, are wondered by that. You know, they, they knew about my growth in that. And I said, I'm going to do the next thing. I want to be an entrepreneur, an actor, and a comedian. So my high school tutor said, you know, you might want to think about doing something else, like working with your hands, because not everybody's meant to do what they want to do. And I said, screw you. I'm going to be like my dad, because he finished, he barely finished the eighth grade. I'm going to start my own business. And she said, okay. So then I started my own business the day after high school, and I failed miserably working out of my parents' uh, house in my bedroom. And I picked myself up. I said, oh, I'm going to do stand-up comedy. So then I was 19. I did stand-up comedy like six months later and I packed the house and I said, you know, if I can get people here, I could, you know, promote nightclubs. Cause I heard that was starting to rumble up in like the late eighties. And within like six months, I became the number one nightclub promoter in my age bracket in LA. And I was like, wow, I could do, you know, it's just time plus effort, you know? So that was part of my trajectory of ebb and flow of failure and success. Right. Which leads into, my, my acting career, which my, 
you know, in my filmmaking career, my first acting job was playing Dirt Diggler and the Dirt Diggler story, which became the movie Boogie Nights, which I appear in as well. I've wrote, directed, produced, and acted in other films, a feature length film, a short film, documentaries. And I had successes. I was broke and in debt on my last, you know, a film at this point in time, which made the second pass, the Academy Awards, live action shorts, almost got me a movie deal. And I was so frustrated with Hollywood. I said, I'm going to make my own movie. And I said, I've failed and succeeded in the past. I'll just start my own business, which had nothing to do with Hollywood. I did a dot-com business in 2000. Within six months, I did it to pay for this movie. And the movie's called Love Hollywood Style with Andy Dick, Coolio, and Faye Dunaway, two-time Academy Award winner. And within six months, I made a half a million dollars of this business, and I was able to make this movie. And ever since then, I've had an ebb and flow of and the long lessons of failure and success with that business, it's eventually grown to a $100 million business plus, but it taught me a lot of failure, a lot of success. And I said, if I'm ever going to do a podcast, it would have to be just like stand-up comedy or writing a screenplay. It would have to be who you are and what you know. Uh, incidentally, during this journey, I got super heavily involved when I was 20 years old and personal development and have been ever since. So I said, I need to do a podcast like that. So it only made sense to answer your story in a long-winded version that <laughs> I do a podcast called Long Shot Leaders about people that have overcome large obstacles to find success. There's many failures and many victories in what I just told you, but that's why I do the podcast that I do. Yeah, and it's great. I love the podcast. Um, you have a lot of really inspiring people on who've uh, who've been through a lot of hardship and, you know, they... Uh, they face that adversity and they kind of come out on top and they've, you know, they just seem generally happier, you know, than you'd, uh, you'd assume from somebody who went through so much. I find that we always say iron sharpens iron, right? So like when people go through crap, I tell my daughters all the time, I'm like embrace the suck, embrace the failure, embrace the, the, the struggle, because that is what creates a, a, an understanding it's called physical knowledge because I can conceptualize things all day long, but if you put yourself out there and go for failure, now it's physical knowledge in the personal development world. There's a two distinctions between that. When you go through that scenario, whatever it is, if it's, I could tell you what a strawberry tastes like, but then you taste it, you taste the sugar, you taste the seeds, the, the texture of it. Now you have physical knowledge it gets in your nervous system, totally different ball game when those things happen. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, Wow. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Just kind of blown away on that. I got the ADHD still, but I kind of really, you know, I hone it every day, but I, I embrace that part too. So I'll be a little discursive if I use that fancy word, you know, I'll jump around from place to place at a feverish pace, but I, I will try to uh, stay on point. Oh, you're good. Uh, I definitely have the, uh, the ADHD myself hey, and it tends to take long, long tangents to the side. So that's Einstein right. had it, by the way. He was a he was a he was a barrel laugh. So don't worry about it. <laughs> Alrighty. Um, so yeah, growing up, you had ADHD, dyslexia. You said health issues as well. On top of that, um, yeah, all the fun-filled activities. It, I mean, that's just all the things in you. And then, you know, you said you also have all this uh, this kind of dysfunction around you growing up as well. Yeah. So my dad, you know, had, I told you about his story. He, um, he had these famous Hollywood parties when he divorced my mom, he was a player. He was very strikingly good looking guy. My parents were looked like movie stars. 
And it was a very volatile relationship, large family. Uh, incidentally, like, you know, the Burt Reynolds character in Boogie Nights is loosely based on his personality, basically, um, because he had these, pseudo, you know, like famous orgy parties. And I would go be around this, this atmosphere, not directly in it. As a kid, though, I would, I'd be around characters. I'd be around a lot of... Uh, you're just a family. I wasn't, I was an unplanned child, you know, and my mom and I come from a, I had to sleep in the same room. My grandmother until I was nine years old, you know, because my dad made all this money and lost it. But one thing my mom held on to was this house in Encino. So I grew up around a poor kid around a wealthy neighborhood. I had to sleep the same room with my grandmother. So I would hear like, you know, how, you know, the helicopter, the, the Russian Holocaust stories, you know, and how we survived. And, and my mom, you know, she thought that it would be important to like always speak her mind. So she says, you know, my son was unplanned. You know, I ran, I ran up and down the stairs. I drank, I smoked, but he survived and he's my dessert because I'm the youngest. And I said, mom, can you just give them the order? They want to know if you want ranch or blue cheese. You don't have to tell everybody the story. So, you know, basically I grew up around hearing these things and I think it, you could either use it to your advantage or disadvantage. You know, you could say, Oh, what was me and this? I, I think it's, you take these lessons, you make fun of them, you learn from them. And I've had a lot of tragedy, you know, um, you know, uh, and, and I asked what can I do about that? You know, here's a, a dark one was my dad's brother was, um, gay. And he came from a, a very dysfunctional family. And my dad, when I was 17 years old, I just met my uncle and he shot and killed himself. And I said, it was really hard to, at a 17 year old, you know, and you're just trying to find yourself. And I already mixed up kid. You ask yourself what, you know, inherently, luckily I said, this is another one of those things I grew up. I grew up around a lot of volatility and a lot of tragedy. I said, what can I learn from this? You know, it was like three months after I just met the guy and he was a really sweet guy. And, and you just, you start to ask those empowering questions and it leads you to a totally different place as opposed to questions that will say, you know, why did this happen? You know, well, it's nothing wrong with asking that question. You want to ask that question initially. You want to spend 10 seconds on it. So I, for a long, by going through the, the dysfunctionality, which other people say, really, that's crazy. You know, your dad shouldn't bring a prostitute to your bar mitzvah, Colton. That's what I'm saying. But it makes you, th I think it was an offering, but I wasn't ready. So then he, he said, well, it's a fallback for me. So then I, I, I say to myself, you know, what can I learn from these things? You know, first you get embarrassed as a kid. Then after a while, like, <laughs> what are you going to do? You know, so you have to like, how can I use this to survive? And it actually makes you, if you go in the right direction, and, and my life was spent on trying to understand why people do what they do and why I do what I do. And it's a long journey. It's not overnight. But I, I think that these things all helped. And um, I don't know if that answers your question, but that's the ABCs of what, you know, those, tr those hard times mean to me. Yeah. And that's, I mean, every, every, uh, every second of your backstory is like a roller coaster. It could go up, it could go down, could go totally sideways, you know? Yeah. You know, it, it was, it was, I look back on it and you know, that's the great thing about going through stuff. You, you know, I used to look out the window and say, you know, dad, you know, when's he going to be home? He said, I'll be home at eight o'clock and he'd show up in like April. You know what I mean? Cause he had big businesses around the world, you know, and had this business in Canada and Hawaii and, and I would, you would feel sorry for yourself when you're a kid, right? But then afterwards, my dad and I had a great relationship. It was a different kind of relationship, like kind of like an uncle, more so than a father, you know? But, you know, you would, there's, there's many crazy stories that I could tell you along the way, but long story short, 
I use them for entertainment or growth or, you know, there's so many crazy things and you can ask me anything you want, but I, there's just a litany of, uh, of, uh, things. No. And that's great. Um, and then you start this podcast right. and how, how do you pick your first guest in that? I mean, you're trying to, trying to set it up. What's even no, the process <laughs> that, that, that was, uh, you know, I say things are, you work really hard to put yourself in lucky situations. So because when I was a kid, I had very little friends. My sister was like very popular. I was the youngest, but I, you know, but I had very little friends. So by the time I, you know, hit high school, you know, all I wanted was friends. So that was my job, you know, trying to gain, I saw my dad with all these crazy friends and I wanted to be like my dad. I want, he was called the calculator kid. Cause he sold out these calculators, I mean, millions of dollars in the seventies when calculators got small. So he was, he was, he was you know, an entrepreneur. He had a lot of friends. I said, so when I promoted I, in high school, I had a lot of parties at my house. And when I promoted nightclubs, I had, that's all you do seven nights a week, seven days a week, you go out and meet people. So by the time, you know, I also got, you know, did stand up comedy. I was an actor, I was a filmmaker. So by the time I decided to do a podcast, I have a lot of, I worked really hard to build up a lot of friends and acquaintances throughout the years. So luckily this, my, one of my oldest friends who I went to grammar school with, I've known since I'm like, you know, uh, eight years old, was a guy named Sean Spector and he started a company called Gamefly and now drop off and Gamefly for those who don't know, is like the huge arcade game, you know, you know, they're on commercials and stuff. And, and then I said, well, that's my oldest, very successful friend. And he's going to be my first guest. And then um, once you get some decent people, it's kind of like making an independent film, right? So if you need to get some decent actors in your film, you got to try to get that big actor and make sure you only have to film them for one day because it's cheaper, they're more flexible. And once you got that big name, it's easier to get more talent. So then I got the bigger names first. I said, I got to load it up with the best names I can get, get them on the first, you know, so when you launch your website for your podcast, put the names out there of your best, what you got, you know, and I don't only want big names in my podcast, but I understand that it's like a film. You need to have that to draw on attention. So that's what really uh, I did. And those people that you see on my podcast, like whether it's, you know, friends of friends, whether it's uh, Carl Gottlieb who wrote Jaws or Jeff Ark who wrote Slippers in Seattle or uh, Jody Goober who uh, has a big company and, uh, and like oh, so on and so on, whether whoever it is, um, it's easier to get. So when I needed to get a Holocaust survivor who I didn't know, he saw that, you know, he heard other episodes. He saw that I was, you know, somewhat of an intelligent person <laughs> and uh, I, he could trust me with the content and I had other people of note on the website as well on the podcast. Nice. I mean, that's definitely uh, kind of the way to build it. And I mean, I'm, I come from uh, no, you know, star value. So I, I don't know quite how I scored you on the podcast, but I made it. Okay. I could tell you is because you, you look at, you know, I think we went on a service, there's a server and I saw you and they just say, you, you know, your show's done, you know, it looks nice. You're seem like a nice person that, that you're, what you talk about fits really well with my niche, you know? Also, I don't lack pretension, the pretentiousness. You know, I, I see somebody, something of quality, you know, to, you know, they, there's an old saying in real estate, not that I ever did real estate, but I say today's retail is tomorrow's wholesale. If you see somebody with quality, Colton Petrie 
is going to, he might be today's retail. He might not have the following. He might not have that, but you know what? I see a spark where I see this person's going to be wholesale down the line. And that's the way I kind of see that, you know? So I go with, you know, integrity, quality, you know, you know, and I, that's the wonderful thing about podcasts. You get to pick and choose who your friends are. I don't know if you approached me or I approached you, but vice versa, it doesn't matter. You choose who you want to really engage with in this wonderful medium. And that's what happens. Yeah. And that's, Sorry. So the flattery gets right to me. <laughs> Are you getting a little steamed up? A little bit. Yeah. Nice. That's good. Let's let it flow. Let's go. Uh, get me in there. I'll join you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's like, that's the, uh, the, the cold intro to the show is I'm like, here's a guy who's, you know, got way more followers than me. He's got a way better show than me. He's got way better guests. Like, I don't know how I got him on here, but I got him on here and now we're going to, you know, we're going to just ask him the dumb questions that I might have. Yeah. Well, here's, here's two things to what you just said though. It's if I may so interject on that. And that is you, you have a healthy humility, but also know your self-worth. You know what I'm saying? Because um, you, when did you start your podcast? Uh, just, I mean, a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. Yeah. That's fine. And, 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 you, you know, say, so you see that you're asking some questions, you see a little green, but you know what the humility, the net transparency, which is the new commodity, you know, which people really need to start to, you know, kind of, there's an old school that's just holding on to the, to the pretense the pretentiousness and the, and the, 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 the facade, the honesty, transparency, as much as you can muster, you know, not everybody's built the same way to be an open vessel, yeah. but I think that that will pay dividends for you. And I think you're right. You're right on the right track. Well, thank you. I, uh, it's definitely a little bit of a journey, um, coming into everything, trying to be okay with asking, you know, things that people kind of look at you like, are you serious? That's the question. And you're like, yeah, sorry. It's the, I don't know. <laughs> what do you, yeah, what do you have to lose? You yeah. Know? yeah. We, you know, speaking of a guest, I have a guest, uh, I'm so happy about this guest. Uh, I'm, I'm recording him at the beginning of October his name's Robert Green. He wrote 48 Laws of Power, 33 Laws of Strategy of War, or, you know, Laws of Attraction. He's a very popular uh, writer. And one of the laws is um, act with boldness and ask for forgiveness later. You know, and I just believe that because as long as you are operating from a place in your heart of love and kindness, and you just, that's the way you enter into things, you know, when you're doing stand-up comedy, whether you're doing something on a podcast, you're, if you're totally guided by that, well, then enter with boldness and take a chance, you know, plus for people like you and me, if you, if you, if you got the ADHD in, which is whatever we have, you know, I don't, I like yeah. to give things too much of, a, of a, a label, then, you know, like give yourself a pass and give yourself an excuse. And, and usually by trial and error, you know, the Edison thousand mistakes, no thousand answered questions. I think that's the same methodology with this podcasting medium and just, you know, putting yourself out there, for, you know, and making sure that love and guidance is your gu guiding heart, then you'll be fine. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's awesome. Um, I was just listening to uh, one of your episodes yesterday as I was driving into work and uh, you had curveball on. Wow. Yeah. He was great. Wasn't he? Yeah. Blind, <laughs> blind rapper. And uh, yeah, he's great. Yeah. And that's like, you know, the, not only born, you know, blind, but tried several times to try and, you know, fight out of that, got cornea transplants and just yeah. decided like, you know what, I'm just going to work through it. Yeah. I mean, you know, I never really get an opportunity to talk to too many blind people. I have, you know, but I definitely haven't had a blind person on the podcast. And um, I, 
I said, you know, constantly, you know, I said, well, how am I going to interview? You know, what would be some of the differences, you know, because constantly as I'm talking to you, as you talk to anybody else, the guiding light, the same thing as with, with a stand-up comedy or, you know, or when you're doing, when you're acting is the band loop of the audience, your rapport with the person you're dealing with, your rapport with the audience. So it's about not just treat somebody how I would want to be treated, treat somebody how they want to be treated and kind of have, you know, constant empathy. So I'm trying to get inside of him, his heart, his soul. And, you know, it was great because, you know, as he's talking, I, and if you listen to that episode, I'm kind of like, mm, you know, and I'm just kind of, I've got a little soul thing going. Cause you yeah. know, cause curveball, you know, he's from Louisiana, you know, African American, you know, and I was like, and I, I had that soul thing going and, and we found ourselves in this kind of like band loop, you know, and I needed to give him that verbal confirmation cause he can't see me. Yeah. And, and, and I'm a very expressive person, you know, so much to where people think I'm on drugs or something when I, you know, when I'm on video and I look at myself, I'm like, what a frick, I'm crazy. But I wanted him to at least feel the audio, you know, to let him know, I, I, I feel you. I empathize with you and I, I care that you're sharing your story, you know, and that was, that was so special. I, I really love that episode. Yeah, it was, it was really great. Like I said, he just, he, he developed that early on where he's like, I'm going to do everything everybody else does. You know, I may get banged up along the way. I'm going to be, uh, he had a great phrase that was, uh, like more stitches than a rag doll. Oh yeah. 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 That was great. I love that. And, and, and people tapping him on the shoulder when he's a kid and he doesn't know who that, you know, and that's, that's some major struggle, but you know, that's all he knew. And then, isn't that funny that when you all, that's all, you know, people look at him and say, well, that's crazy. It's like, well, I don't know. That's all I ever knew. Yeah. That was oh, it. He's just like, I, I, I don't know. I grew up blind. Like this is just where I came from. Right. Um, right. So, uh, I mean, along the lines of other guests, um, have there ever been anything that really just like in the moment hearing it just kind of like shocked you or took you just way off guard? Well, of course, uh, Ben Lesser, I always talk about this one particular episode. It was like one month in for me doing a podcast. And uh, I, I just, it, I had to give him a lot of time. I knew this was going to be a special, you know, he, he went through a tour. He's 92 year old Holocaust survivor. His story, I heard, you know, some videos here and there and his, his book and all that. So when I had him on, I said, look, I'm going to dedicate as long. I don't care if this goes one hour or two. It went over two hours. And most of my podcast episodes are like 30 to 40 minutes. So I, 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 I wanted to give him whatever. So I knew that, you know, that the intro would be like, you know, instead of me doing like a 40 second intro, this intro is going to be seven minutes long. I knew that, you know, there was going to be something special about it. And, and he did, he went through a tour de France of such shocking moments and pain and torture and stories I've never even heard before. And I've grew up with a lot of those stories as much as my grandmother would tell me things, you know, from what she went through. And um, that's what really, yeah, his interview shocked me over and over and over again. Yeah. And I mean, at that point, you just, I guess you kind of have to sit back like, okay, this is your show. Now I'm going to be here to provide the response, but you know, you're going to, you're going to just tell your story. Right. You know, I mean, you, you know, it's kind of like stand up comedy or especially more so like acting when you're at, you know, and if you're improvising, if you're improvising, let's say I was on stage, my, like my comedy teacher, uh, Greg Dean, who's been on my show, he was on stage with Rob Williams. 
This is the same thing with interviewing on a podcast. So when they're improvising with Robin Williams, then there's only two people on stage and Robin's the other person. Yeah. You are there to listen and wait for moments. And if Robin is going on, you let him go, yeah. you know, because he's Robin Williams and Ben Lesser and a Holocaust survivor is like there. He, he was, he already knew the story yeah. and I knew it by me interrupting him, it would interrupt, you know, the, this great, this great storytelling. So a good point is when Rob Williams on the stage with Greg Dean and he's going off on a tangent, Greg Dean just sits back so much so to where it becomes funny to the audience. Cause Robin is going off. My, this is at the comedy store on the big stage and on sunset to where he then goes off like crazy to where then when Rob Williams finally realizes that Greg isn't saying anything in the improv, you know, scene that they're doing, yeah. he turns around and looks at Greg and Greg with great comedy timing at the right moment says, well, then what happened, you know? And then yeah. with, you know, to where everybody was laughing because and Rob Williams starts laughing because it's like, okay, we knew that was a Rob Williams moment where he went off and went out, said so much shit to yeah. where then, you know, it was funny because he was just sitting there, you know, with perfect timing and with that comeback. And that's the same thing with, you know, uh, you know, interviewing people when to know to wait. And then, you know, you kind of tuck it in your mind, you know, and you're just constantly listening. You're listening to exactly what the other person's saying, getting selflessly involved in their story and, and what does it mean, you know, for them and what does it mean to you? And, and, and that's what the internal dialogue is all about. Same thing with acting or improv or anything like that. Yeah. And I'm sure, anybody that's listened to any of the episodes I've put out um, it knows already that I just will let people go as far as they'll go on a tangent. Um, and I had a, I had a guy on that was really good. Um, his name is Sterling Trout. And uh, he, he just went off, like, you know, told his and told his entire life story where he's like, you know, I didn't know that, you know, we just came from, wherever and it was fun to blow things up and so that was what we did and then i got arrested for blowing things up and now i have this arrest charge for explosive ordinance and that led me to you know escape the state and flee to florida and then i was living in florida and everything spun and it was i just let him let him go and uh like 15 minutes later we come back to the conversation he's like i don't know if that was answering a question or if that got to what we needed to do but uh you know, like, I, I guess, sorry for going out there. And I'm like, just go, just, just, just run with it. Yeah. That's a great, when somebody has like, you know, and segues into the next thing, next thing, and you're just gobsmacked and you're just like, wow, just keep going. That's great. Now I have a fun little trick that I like to do um, with people that are kind of like rambling for any podcasters listening or yourself. Right. If I may so say what I like to do is you don't drop, you still listen. You listen to everything they're saying. You're, you're, you get self, you know, but you're sitting there and see my, my hand is being raised up. Like I'm almost like in my head and I'm, my mouth is opening up and I was like, and my internal thing was like, well, I want to say something, but I'm not going to interrupt them, but they could see that my facial expression and my, you can do this with a curveball because he's blind, but, but usually visual visually, you could see it's like, uh, you know, or, or you might want to interject like, a, uh, uh, you know, like in kind of like a slight gesture of like, I want to interject and say something. So where they will go, oh, okay, well, let me close up my point here if it's rambling on. And that's usually a nice little thing. And it's an honest way to like say, I want to interject and send something without giving up your concentration on what they're saying. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's almost like watching, watching you discuss that's almost hypnotic. Um, 
where I'm just seeing you like, and this is, you know, you're listening to my voice and you're looking at what I'm doing and this is how we're going to, and it's like, oh yeah, this is the, yeah, <laughs> like, it just draws you in. Well, yeah, you know, that's the thing. If you have, the, if you have internal dialogue, whether you're doing a scene, you know, uh, you know, acting, whether you're, you know, um, whether you're uh, doing improv on, on a stage as a comedian, it's the constant inner dialogue of not, not talking to yourself about, you know, at talking to yourself about the other person. It's about the rapport of them totally getting selflessly involved with who is in the crowd or the other person on the other side of the video or audio or whatever. You're just totally getting involved with them. It's like any good relationship, right? Are you married by the way? I am. Yeah. So a good relationship is an ebb and flow, if I do so say, of, you know, of what you can offer to them and how can you enjoy that process of what you're offering to them and get selflessly involved with them. It'll come back. And, but that's not why you do it. You do it for the joy of the things that you do like getting, you know, you got to like that part, you know, certain people don't like that. And that's fine. I wouldn't get involved with, if you want to be the best you can be, find out what you really can motivate you to get selflessly involved with the other person you're performing with, uh, interviewing, et cetera. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, it, it always comes to that. Like you want to do all these things for the other person. Um, and you never really give it that second thought to, you know, what am I going to get back? It's just, this is what's making them happy. And that, you know, makes me happy just to do that for them. Yeah. I mean, inherently, you know, you got to see, well, am I going to get, you know, eventually you ask yourself, you know, am I going to get something in return? You know, but, but usually if it's a healthy relationship and the person, you know, you know, don't be afraid to, to, to give yourself first to that person, whatever it is, you know, whether it's performing or a relationship, I usually find that, you know, if you, you work from that place of your heart from trying to contribute to them and work from a, a loving place, you'll, you know, life usually works itself out to where you get what you need, you know, emotionally. Yeah. Um, and trying to just spin back into, uh, to your show. I mean, do you have a lot of audience members that reach out to you after certain episodes or? Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to be friends. I like, you know, that's the beauty, you know, I've approaching a hundred episodes, you know, cause we started this in March uh, and now it's a September. Uh, so I, I'm friends with every single person, some people more so than others, because, you know, but even Ben Lesser, 92 year old Ben Lesser, you know, like his daughter and all that, you know, she sends me stuff on Facebook, you know, messenger now, and I'm communicating with them. You know, some people are going to come back on the show for like the 100 episode in the one year. And, and, and I send them, you know, some presents, you know, like some, you know, certain, you know, if I find out that they have, they like certain things every, you know, a lot of them are my friends, a lot, even the new ones, you know, and that's why I do this. I do this for connection, you know, um, this is the, and to, to offer value and give con, and get connection. So yeah, I'm friends with all of them. I, you know, I, I really have not lock on wood. I have not had one person that, uh, I'm, I don't want to be friends with, or we don't kind of try to communicate. And that's awesome because, you know, a lot of, uh, I mean, even that, you know, having to struggle, um, sometimes you get into things and everyone involved in whatever that new thing you're trying is just not good for you. Um, so it's really kind of, you know, a blessing to, uh, 
to have that ability that you you bring on people you want on your show and you connect with them and then everything is you know good you know if you think about it, say, well, how do I have time for all that? Look, I, I buy my time very well. Time's a very important commodity, but you, you say, look, when I have some friends with something, it's like, it could be just be, you know, we message each other on Facebook, a, a gesture here and there, or we're liking each other's stuff now on, you know, that affirmation of just a quick, you know, millisecond, you know, communication uh, in the simplest form. And sometimes a little bit more than others that doesn't take a lot of time. If it's value, you know, it depends on what your value system is too. Once again, you know, the people I seek out and the people I get to talk to, um, I really admire them. And, and nine times out of 10, the relationship is very um, valuable for both of us. And it's, you know, short, short communications. And some, some of them have turned out to be a little bit longer than others, you know, but you, you, you everybody prior, you, a healthy prioritization, you know, always has its place. That's how that works. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And sorry, I know uh, time is very valuable, and I know I don't have you for all that long, um, but uh, do you have any advice if there was somebody in the audience and they just kind of felt like they were in that low point where they're, you know, they feel like it's impossible to escape the situation and they don't know how to move forward. Is there anything that you would, you know, reach out and tell them if you were there? Yeah. Several things. First of all, I understand, you know, you, you, there's somebody, trust me, because I've, I, it, what I, I've lived through a lot of stuff, but whoever has, everybody's lived through a lot of stuff. You know, everybody has, there's, you know, no one's the best, no one's the biggest, no one's the brightest. There's always somebody else. No one has it the word, you know, there's always somebody else, no matter what it is though, realize you're, you're, you're just not totally alone, not a hundred percent. So, so there, there's a connection there between all of us. Second of all, there is a group, there are other people that care out there. Thirdly, you know, you want to take an inventory of yourself and say, what do you want? Don't, don't worry about what you don't want. What do you want in your life? You know, if your life was a movie or a canvas, what do you want it painted on that? What do you want your movie to look like? Don't worry about if it's possible or not. If you be a kid in a candy store, what does that look like? Okay. Then ask yourself, if it was possible, oh, I can't get that. No, yeah. But if it was possible, if there was a possible, what were some of the ways that you could get close to that or get a piece of that, of what you want? What are just maybe write them down, you know, just yeah, what do you got to lose? Just write those things down. Okay. Get clarity on what you want, how, you know, so, and how you could possibly get some of those things. Okay. Then ask yourself is what am I, am I, what if I don't do, then ask yourself two very powerful questions at that point. If I don't do this, What's going to happen with my life in, you know, one year, five years, 10 years. And if I do do this, what is my life going to look like in one, five, 10 years from now? And then really get leverage and say, look, I'm willing to take that, you know, that time. But here's the most important thing. This is a very, this is a longer conversation, but I would say, start to think along those lines. But the most important thing is that realize that the possibilities are there after what I just said there. But here's the most important thing after you say, realize that there's at least possible that you can change that. The number one thing is to change your physiology, change your focus, and change your words on going the direction that you want to go in. So if you find yourself crestfallen and your shoulders are dropped and your, your face muscles are drawn, lift up your back, take a deep breath through, you know, and really just jump up and down and change your physiology to more of a powerful position and say, say, well, I don't know if that's going to work. Do, do, do it anyways. 
And then tell you, then count your blessings and say, what is great about you? Do an inventory of what, whatever you have done in life that you figure is great. Well, I haven't done anything great. But if there was something that you think that was possibly great, what can that be? And then start to do that and focus on and use the words and say, you know what? At least you get the realization that was great. I am great at this. I am great at this. I am, you know, and tell yourself that. Do an incantation of what you are great at. So your physiology, make your body feel it. Focus on what you are great at. Focus on where you want to go and how you want to get there in a positive direction. And then make sure that your internal dialogue and external dialogue is congruent with going in the direction you wanted. So the last thing I'll say about that is, if you don't believe in that, believe it because race car drivers, when they teach them, and I always use this analogy, when they're crashing out of control, headed towards a wall and they're going to crash, they say, the experts say, don't worry about what your hands are doing right away. Immediately look into the direction you want to go in. Don't look at that wall. Look back to the track. Your hands will eventually follow. If you look to the track, just find the track with your eyes. And that's what you need to do with where you, if you feel like you're lost, that's what you need to do first. Well. Well, there's no way I'm going to uh, follow that up. <laughs> <laughs> just, um, just develop, you know, personal development stuff. No, it's great, and I think it's, I think it's things people need to hear, um, and you know, you just have to, you have to do what you said. You got to look at the track where you want to be, and just try your best to get there. So. Right. Right. Absolutely. Guys, anybody out there having a tough, tough time, you know, you know, those are the key points and realize, well, I tried that once it didn't work or I tried it 10 times. It didn't work. Well, if something doesn't work, try something different, but keep on trying, but don't just keep on trying something different until it does work. And here's the thing, take it from somebody that's failed so many times and then continue, you know, I, I feel less than I do, but I'm going to have failures. Everybody, Tony Robbins, everybody out there, they're going to fail. Nobody, nobody's like, eh, I'm glad I hit that rainbow, the pot of gold in the rainbow. That doesn't exist. Einstein was failing near the end of his, he had holes in a sweater. Okay. Everybody fails, but here's the thing. Realize the more you go out there and put yourself out there, it's like working out, it's muscle. You will succeed eventually. I forgot who said it, but say you, you, if you continue to try, no one's ever failed by continuing to, to continue to keep on trying. So it's just time plus effort will give you a most probable level of success and that's great and i hope everybody just takes that to heart i'm not going to try and uh and lead anything on to it because i think that's a that's a great way to close that is it our mic drop is that is that what we're going to happen here is that, that going to be it that was it that was the mic drop moment all right great well, i appreciate that yeah absolutely and thank you again for coming on the show and just i mean speaking to me and to the audience and the experience well, you're a pleasure. I thank you so much. And I know your show is going to continue to grow. And uh, thank you so much for having me on it. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to the show. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you have, please reach out, tell family, coworkers, friends, anything uh, to listen to it. I would greatly appreciate any support you can give us. If you've really enjoyed it, you could go on to Apple Podcast or Stitcher or Spotify or Google Podcasts or wherever you're listening from. Just leave a good review. Um, Maybe if it's really funny, I'll read it on the show. I enjoy good humor. Um, or if you have a good dumb example, I'll, maybe I'll read that too. Uh, otherwise, if you want to reach out to us, I'm on social media, Dumb Enough Podcast, pretty much everywhere. Or you could reach out at dumbenoughpodcast at gmail.com. If you have any suggestions for guests or questions for guests or just want to chat, reach out to me there. I'll get a hold of you.
All right. See you in the next episode. Bye-bye.